Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, October 13th. And this is your FT News Briefing. U.S. equities markets got a jolt from the outlook for the U.S. election. And it's been a year of low interest rates for U.S. banks. So what will Wall Street's most recent quarterly earnings look like? Plus, the U.K. is imposing a tough set of new lockdown restrictions. We'll take a look at one of the groups that's been most affected by the pandemic. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. After U.S. equity markets took a drubbing in September, investors have been living it up in October. Yesterday, especially, the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq Composite both had a big day on Monday. One reason for it, the start of earnings season, which begins with U.S. banks today. We'll get to more on that in a second. But the other one has to do with the U.S. presidential election that's right around the corner. And with the FT's U.S. capital markets correspondent, Rich Henderson, Rich, First off, can you believe that the election is already less than a month away, three weeks away? And second, what does the election have to do with the gains for equities we saw yesterday? Good question. Uh, No, it's come around really quickly. Really quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Extremely quickly. Um, So what did we see on Monday? We saw a big day for tech. We saw Apple stock up more than 6%. uh, Facebook and Amazon up more than 4%. These are pretty big moves. In terms of the election, there's a bit more certainty in the market that we're not going to face a contested election. That's been a big fear. Obviously, Donald Trump has fanned those concerns a little bit with his comments uh, over the last few months. And we're starting to see Joe Biden pull away a little bit. And that gives the market a little bit more certainty that we will have a definitive winner. And so we're seeing volatility come down as a result of that. We're seeing some gains for the stock market, which are encouraged by that fact. Richard Henderson is our U.S. capital markets correspondent. Thanks, Rich. No worries. Thanks. Moving on to U.S. banks. They've been doing well lately. U.S. bank stocks have risen nearly 9% since the beginning of the month. J.P. Morgan Chase and Citigroup kick off earnings season when they report today. So the question now is whether Wall Street's earnings reports will build on the market momentum or kill it. Rob Armstrong is the FT's U.S. finance editor. Hi, Rob. Hey, how are you? Good. Uh, Rob, before we dive into earnings, why have U.S. bank stocks been so high lately? Well, you can never be sure about why the markets do what they do. But I think in this case, there's a pretty popular hypothesis, which is that the market's attitude about what the upcoming presidential election means for banks has changed. So the conventional wisdom for a long time was that Trump and the Republicans were good for banks primarily because they are quite light-handed in their attitude towards regulation of banks. But increasingly, there is discussion of what they're calling the reflation trade, which means people think that if there is a Democratic sweep, Biden wins the presidency and the Democrats retake the Senate as well, then there will be massive fiscal stimulus. There will be no one there to block it. And as a result of more money flooding into the economy, inflation will go up and higher interest rates are generally good for banks. 
Yeah, I mean, the last few months alone have kind of been an indicator of that in that Democrats came out with a $3 trillion proposal in the House and Republicans haven't come anywhere to match that. Um, Rob, moving on to loan loss reserves, uh, something that you and I have talked about before on the show, um, they've hit historic levels in the U.S. uh, over the past few months. How could they affect earnings this time around? As you'll remember, the big U.S. banks did put away tens of billions of dollars against loans going bad, especially credit card loans, as the COVID crisis unfolded. The question is, you come into the third quarter now, and are they happy with the level of reserves they established in the first and second quarter? Do they think they put enough away? Or do they think they need to add a little more? If they're not going to add any more, will they drop a hint that maybe they over-reserved? So what we're going to get in the third quarter is another update on how banks think the broad economy, but especially the consumer economy, is doing. And so if we see a very low level of additional reserves or even reserves stay where there are, that's going to send a very optimistic message. Rob, you know, what about credit card spending? You know, I, I think that one of the things that a lot of people are looking at is whether or not people are out there charging their card more than they were at the beginning of the pandemic. It's interesting to think back to February and March. As a group, Americans put their cards away. In the sort of months of the spring, we saw spending down by as much as 40% on credit cards. People were using debit. In other words, Americans were very conservative about how they uh, used their unsecured credit lines. That's good in that banks aren't facing a wave of defaults as of yet, but it's bad in that people rotating their balances on their credit cards is an important profit center for banks. And it's also an indicator of Americans' confidence. As Americans grow more confident, in theory, they'll start to bring out those cards again. I also have to assume that it's a bit of a commentary on how people view the pandemic and, and their confidence level in going out in public, right? Like, I just bought a new pair of hiking boots, right? Like, I went out and went hiking in a way that I probably wouldn't in March or April. I'm sure that people are going to restaurants and charging their cards there. Does this also reflect how people's attitudes toward the pandemic has changed? Absolutely. Given the remarkable conservatism Americans showed early in the crisis, I think it'll be very telling if they're feeling confident enough in the future to take on a little debt again. What we're hoping, of course, is that there are parts of the economy that are returning to normalcy. So much in economics comes down to prophecies that are self-fulfilling. In other words, if consumers and businesses are confident in the economy, the economy will do better just because they're feeling confident. So we need to look to credit card spending as a signal for how the consumer is feeling. Rob Armstrong is the FT's U.S. finance editor. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Now, turning to Boris Johnson, who yesterday announced a three-tier COVID alert system. Just as we simplified our national rules with the rule of six, we will now simplify and standardize our local rules. The UK Prime Minister's plan would put local areas of England in three categories, medium, high, or very high alert over COVID-19. 
MPs need to approve the new restrictions first, but Mr. Johnson is facing a backlash from his own conservative party after Liverpool City Region became the first area to accept the restrictions. All the while, the prospect of a second wave of coronavirus is pushing the UK towards a sharp economic slowdown. And based on the numbers from earlier in the pandemic, the winter could seriously affect the country's youth. The Think Tank Resolution Foundation found that one in three employees between the ages of 18 and 24 lost their jobs or were furloughed in the first three months of the pandemic. That's not including students, and that's way higher than the one in three six prime age adults who lost their jobs or were furloughed. From May to July, the youth unemployment rate was up 2% from 2019. Now, a big reason for this is the type of jobs younger people tend to take. The Institute for Financial Studies found something about people under the age of 25. This group is two and a half times more likely than people older than them to work in sectors like hospitality and events, jobs that were shut down due to social distancing requirements. Before we go, we're sad here at the FT to announce the passing of Sir Samuel Britton. He was the FT's former economics editor and wrote columns in the paper for nearly half a century. Sir Samuel was 86 years old. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.